أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome all you listening to Rahil Hamza and Shafiq Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Verbal Outpost where we like to have an informal conversation about real topics and we'd also like you to take part so make sure you do leave us a comment or drop us an email on verbaloutpost at outlaw.com with your thoughts and comments so as we go through life um, we should hopefully be in a position where we should know and understand our objectives in life both you know for the dunya elements and for the akhirah um, because if we aimlessly go through life how can we actually know if we're doing any better than we were yesterday, last year, or even a decade ago, how would we know if we're getting any even further away from our objectives rather than getting any closer if we don't have a, a form of reflection or contemplation throughout life? Um, now, objectives that relate to the dunya um, will generally have a tangible element to it. So what I mean by that is, as you're going through education, you know you're going through certain points because you've got certification, you have certain grades, you know where you're getting at. As you go through your career, you, you go up the ladder, your uh, position reflects on how well you're doing, your salary might reflect that. Um, in terms of worldly elements, you know, size of your house, the car you're getting, all these kind of things, they're automatic reflections of how well you might be doing in the dunya side of things. Um, I mean, there is the mental side of things. How are you doing psychologically in the dunya? That will need some thought as well, because that's not as tangible. But the thing I wanted to focus on today is more about the akhirah, because that's where things aren't really tangible. Um, because we don't have that thing in front of us. You know, we don't have the grades in front of us. We don't have the marks in front of us. We don't have any results in front of us to tell us how we're doing. So it really needs us to be checkpointing ourselves and checking ourselves to see how we're doing. Because as I say, if we don't check ourselves, if we don't reflect on how we're doing, how do we know if we're getting any closer or even further away from that? So as I say, what I'd like to talk about today is self-reflection and what it means for us all individually and perhaps even as a society. Um, and not just myself, but my co-hosts as well. Um, not just us, but also our listeners as well. So pl again, please do send us an email to let us know your thoughts on today's topics. Um, what I'd like to try and explore is how we're doing these things um, as we're supposed to. How do we know if we're doing things as we're, as we're supposed to and how well we're doing and progressing through these things. Uh, a few weeks ago, you may remember we discussed the Islamic development and how that has moved towards a more personal development in recent years. So I guess this kind of ties in with that personal development side of things as well. Um, and just to clarify, this this show, uh, today's episode, if you like, is not us telling anybody else how to reflect or when to reflect. It's just sharing ideas and, you know, something I say or do might help one of my co-hosts and what they do might help me but also something you our listeners do may help us as well so again please do email us with your thoughts at the scoops of life at outlaw.com so to kick things off what does it actually mean for us to reflect uh, as individuals Hamza what are your thoughts on self-reflection uh, my thoughts actually 
I think is a cracking topic. Um, brilliant. It follows on from mine a couple of weeks ago as well, quite nicely. I think for me, if I summed it up, I'd use the I'd use a very good quote that I love um, by Muhammad Ali, by the late Muhammad Ali, where he said, "The forty-five-year-old man who still views the world as he did when he was twenty-five years old has lost twenty years of his life." Wow. And I think that for me sums it up very nicely is that every year we do want to be accumulating that bit of wisdom and yeah when we're old and gray uh we've got something to share with others with the world and we've got something that we can hopefully inshallah take away with us um in the akhirah so that for me i think that's my take on it my perception um so cracking topic uh very grateful that you selected this topic and uh, look forward to discussing it further, inshallah. Brilliant. Uh, before I ask Shafiq, I'll just maybe describe what I think, uh, reflection, and what it means to me. Um, I guess if I was going to define it, um, it would be the process of really accounting yourself. And this is, you know, either before you've done or said something, or after you've done or said something, and then seeing how closely that aligns with our morals and goals. So as Muslims, that would be the standard set out in the Sharia. And obviously, if those um, outcomes weren't in line with that standard, then it's about understanding what steps you need to take to improve yourself um, should a similar situation happen again. Uh, because obviously, nobody can ever reach the point where they can say, oh, I don't need to improve anymore. So it's really a lifelong process. Shafiq, any thoughts from you about what you define as self-reflection, perhaps? I think you guys have sort of more or less summed it all up, to be fair. Um, I don't think I actively go out of my way to reflect on the things I do. I just, I like to think a lot of it sort of comes naturally and I hope that a lot of it aligns with Islam. If I'm being completely honest, I don't want to make out I'm one of those people that sit around, you know, reflecting and sitting around in the masjid or after my prayers, thinking for ages, spending hours and hours doing something like that. That's not something um, that I do um, personally. Uh, I'd like to think my experience in life and the knowledge that I do have of Islam has nurtured the character I am and the choices and decisions that I make. And I'd like to hope uh, most of the time they do align with Islam and I know there'll be times that they don't and maybe this is why this discussion is quite important actually inshallah so we can look at maybe learning from each other Hamza I think it'd be great Shafiq to understand your perspective as well because for me this is quite an important topic and I do self-reflect and I mean we will get into it a little bit sooner but it'd be I'm, I'm really intrigued to find out what your pro what your thought process is like um, and how you kind of go with the flow. That's interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm probably the complete opposite to that. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting, inshallah. I think it's, it's a good point Shafiq mentioned, you know, sometimes that contemplation or reflection can be seen as you have to sit in the masjid for two hours, three hours or the whole of the night. Um, and not everybody's got time to do that, but reflection doesn't require that necessary deep commitment. It could be you sitting in your, in your living room, spending five minutes, 10 minutes, even just thinking about where am I? How am I doing? And I think, Rahu, I don't want to sort of steal the thunder from later on or jump the gun a little bit with 
um, the flow of the conversation. But I think just taking it one notch below that, actually, it doesn't even need to be five, 10 minutes. It's mm. just embedding it into your day-to-day life. And just when you do certain things, just self-reflecting very quickly. And I think the more you embed it into your life, the quicker you become at it. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's just a case of incorporating it as much as possible into the small decisions that you make. And then obviously there's much bigger decisions, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll get into that anyway, Rahul. So we can discuss yeah. it in more yeah. detail then. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Shafiq, just to ask on, on what you mentioned there, do you think, you know, for people who might be in a similar situation where they perhaps feel they don't reflect or reflect enough, would you say it's ever too late to start reflecting? Oh no, I don't ever think it's too late to start reflecting, to be honest. I think sometimes you're forced into that position anyway. Um, a lot of times you see people who have gone through a very difficult situation um, and you see them then sitting down and contemplating on the choices that they've made on, you know, if they could have been any better in that situation or uh, made someone else's life better by acting differently um so i think some people are sometimes forced to be in that position i think obviously it's better to maybe be a bit more active where you you know you don't wait for something bad to happen for you to be sitting down and reflecting um on your life um Mm. i think if you as hamza sort of mentioned or uh, even yourself raheel where you're sort of actively doing it with every sort of choice that you're doing uh, rather than sort of just going through the motions i think that would be better and you i'd like like i said i'd like to hope that the choices i've been making and reflecting on the things that i've done do align with islam um but obviously allah knows best brilliant and i think it's probably worth mentioning here that you know change won't be instant um sometimes it can be something that takes years to achieve and the key point is that we're taking the the necessary steps to get there as well and you know if we're in our late 20s 30s 40s it's never too late to to start doing that um okay so now that we've kind of defined what we think and uh, you know how we define uh, what reflection is how do we reflect? You know, are there any particular methods or formulas that we adopt or prefer um, that we follow when we're doing some form of reflection there? Um, for me, if I, if I put it out there, uh, I think the first step is to really try and understand what it is that I'm considering to do or say or might have already done or said. Um, and what was the purpose of me doing that particular action? And, you know, what is the benefit of that really? Uh, and how that aligns with the Sharia and the morals and the the goals that I'm trying to achieve. And even in some scenarios, was it appropriate for me to do or say that? Um, you know, for example, if we're in a public space and somebody else says something, and, you know, sometimes people feel the need to um, kind of make jump in and make their point, even though they, were, they weren't necessarily part of that conversation, they'll feel the need to do that. So, you know, part of that process for me is do I even have the correct knowledge or understanding of that particular topic or area to be saying things? Um, and obviously, the main the main purpose of it is is my intention the the right thing? Is it for the sake of Allah? You know, there's no personal gain. You know, boasting or trying to show somebody else up. Shafiq, would you say there's any process that you may naturally follow? I know you don't sit there and go through it but would you say there's any sort of process that you might naturally follow 
Mm, if I was going through sort of a natural process of decision making, I think the only times where I maybe think a little bit more than I normally do um, about something that's happens maybe when it comes to uh, doing something for the sake of Allah purely where I'm having to go out my way to do something and I'm thinking oh I'd, I'd rather not but then I'm thinking you know what there's reward here to be gained I'm doing it purely for the sake of Allah this is what a Muslim should be doing um, so I think that as I say I don't really have a proper process you know normally I would if especially when it comes to family matters, I, I would discuss it with my wife and we'll sort of maybe come to a decision together um, on something. And a lot of times, you know, Islam comes into play anyway. Um, there are times where we have a pointless conversation about something and I might say some say something that may not be appropriate or <clears throat> may not be correct. But if I'm, if I'm discussing that with my wife, you know, we'll correct each other. And, you know, Alhamdulillah, that always helps having someone there to discuss that with. I think that's a good point, you know, using other people to help guide you along as well. You know, you, you can't do everything on, on your own, but having other people to guide you along is, is definitely a, a worthwhile point. Uh, and perhaps to even add to that, if they're not necessarily somebody you live with, like a, a, you know, a spouse, there's people in the community or somebody you should be able to turn to, to be able to get that advice and guidance from if you're unsure. Hamza, how about yourself? I think, yeah, I would echo some of what's already been said around um, family, around spouses helping with that. So absolutely, that helps. In terms of how I reflect, I think, I think a large part of it is, particularly when something new comes along or something different, something that you're not accustomed to, and I think trying to understand something that you are not familiar with and understanding does it have any merit does it have any weight so um, if there's any particular opinions or ways of thinking or methodologies that you're not accustomed to so i think just understanding those a little bit better so i know Rahil, you talked about do i have the knowledge for this so i think just becoming i'd summarize it as being a little bit more critical with my thinking Mm. trying to be a bit more objective so rather than just immediately jump to a conclusion and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago as well so it's not just black and white but trying to understand some of the nuance in the middle some of the gray areas and just trying to objectively look at those um, as objectively as possible so no bias and no all right just writing it off immediately so i think particularly when something new comes along assessing that in as an objective way as possible and then in terms of regular reflection you know there's usually good times throughout the year Ramadan being a very good one um, and then certain points in the year where yeah it could even be something like the end of the calendar year so around December time just when everybody's off and you've got some free time to just sit back and relax and reflect on the past year so yeah there's there's times when it's good to reflect it in a general perspective and then other times when something new comes along trying to look at it as obje objectively as possible and with as little bias as possible yeah mm. yeah i think i think that's a good point you made about you know ramadan holiday periods when things are a bit more focused or quieter to almost naturally pave that position of self-reflection i guess um 
I guess one thing to kind of mention is, would you say, let's say, let's take Ramadan as an example, since you mentioned it, people obviously have this, um, this Islamic high, if you like, during Ramadan, you know, everyone's motivated, everyone's pumped to do as much as they can. Any advice that you might be able to impart for people who then, as soon as it's Eid, they go back to the same as they were before, basically, with no improvement, if you like, moving forward? I mean, I'd probably argue I'm not in a position to give any advice, but <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think after Ramadan, it, it, it is tough. It's tough for everyone. So I think that's the first thing to make clear is that it is tough. But that's where you've got to hold yourself to account and you've got to question how how much integrity do you have personally? And is that, are you going to be able to look at yourself in the mirror knowing that actually you spent the month of Ramadan worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and actually you did as much as possible? Are you going to be able to look yourself in the mirror two, three weeks later if you're committing haram or doing things um, that are completely contrary to what you're doing in Ramadan. So I think that's the first thing. And the second thing is, I mean, if you're starting to lose some of it, okay? So I think there's two scenarios. One is where you start going back to your old ways and start doing some of the haram things that you stopped mm. doing during Ramadan. So I think that's the first thing. So I think you got to question yourself and hold yourself to quite a high standard. And the second point is where you may have stopped doing some of the things, um, some of the extra things, like you know, if you're praying extra sunnah or doing qiyam throughout the night, that's very difficult and tough to maintain throughout the mm. rest of the year so I, I i think it's important if you can aim to hold on to at least one of them not try and aim for everything because that's probably not going to be sustainable but mm. really you know it depends on how well you know yourself it may be that may be possible for some but my advice would be try and aim for one thing one extra thing that you can hold on to and just hold on to that to the best of your ability and I mean, my advice would be hold on to your salah, your five daily salah. If you've started doing that during Ramadan, just as long as you get your fard salah done, just make sure you guard those throughout the rest of the year. And the other things, you know, work on those in future years if you're really struggling, but the very mm. minimum, five daily salah, absolutely. I think that's brilliant advice. You know, like I say, during Ramadan, when you have that high, it's not realistic to keep everything that you, you've been doing in that, period of you know 29 30 days especially if before you weren't doing anything um even if you were a fairly practicing and then you start boosting it up it's not going to always be realistic to maintain that um as, as a permanent increase so taking that one or two things that are reason realistic for you as an individual and this is, this can be anything you know even if it's a big thing or a small thing it's going to be down to a personal reflection point on what works best for you but something that you know you can definitely stick to so that by the time you come to the next Ramadan or the next checkpoint, you know you're still doing that, and then you can build up on that each year. Uh, Shafiq, anything you want to add to that? Um, just to sort of adding on to what you guys have said is obviously finding that one thing, but I think personally anyway with me is when you find that one thing, try to make sure it's something that almost gives you a similar feeling to that high that you got during Ramadan. I think that always helps. So if there was a particular action that you did and, you know, you thought, oh, this, this, you know, makes me feel closer to Allah, you know, than maybe some of the other actions you were doing 
um, extra during Ramadan, but this one, one in particular is helping me as as we're discussing sort of reflection. This is helping me reflect a little bit better. This is make me feel like I'm getting close to Allah. Maybe try hold on to that one after Ramadan and see if you can keep that going. Whether it is an extra prayer um, in the night to Hajjad prayer or something, I think you know what. Maybe that's the one I need to hold on to because during that time, I'm actually feeling you know like it's still Ramadan for me, and maybe that's what you need to carry on throughout the year. Then actually, I would also adding on to this conversation, I'd probably open it up a little bit more as well and say that actually, where does self-reflection fit into our day-to-day lives as well? Mm. Because absolutely, Islamically, it's incredibly important. And it, it, it can determine whether we end up in Jannah or we don't end up in Jannah. So it can be the decisive factor there. In terms of the dunya life as well, mm. it's it's important for the same reasons that we self-reflect on everything that we do. And and actually, um, we talked about Ramadan, and that's a very spiritual, quite a personal type self-reflection. But what about our relationships with other people? Last week, we were talking about friendships. What happens when we upset other people and we've wronged somebody and we don't realize and we've not self-reflected? So actually, even the lines between deen and the, and the dunya can actually, you know, they, they cross over quite a lot. With our relationships and interactions with other people so we can wrong other people and not be self-aware of it mm. or we're not self-reflecting because we don't consider it something to do with the deen whereas actually there's a big overlap the deen and dunya so hopefully that makes sense to everyone but it's important to look at both i would say mm. i guess another example of, of something similar is when, when people tend to go hajj or umrah um you tend to get these an influx of messages saying, oh, I'm going to uh, perform Hajj or Umrah. If I've ever done anything wrong to you or hurt you or anything, please forgive me. Um, and that person might go to Hajj and Umrah, complete their spiritual journey and then come back. But then you might find the same points of, you know, where they've upset you as an individual. Nothing's really changed. And I guess that's another point, similar to Ramadan, to reflect on how should I now be? I mean, going for Hajj and Umrah isn't going to be a, a life-changing experience in the sense that it's going to change you overnight. It is still something you need to work on day to day, but it can be a turning point. Hamza? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, one point that I would add on to that as well. So actually, even from a Sharia perspective, I would say that actually us going to perform Hajj and us doing things when it comes to the ibadat type things, so our Ramadan, our zakat, our salah, those things mm. are between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Absolutely. And Allah is the most merciful, He's the most forgiving. So there's a level of comfort there that Allah forgives easily and He likes to forgive. Okay, He's the most gracious, most merciful. So there is absolutely that, and really, it's the but it's the relationship with other people that's the thing that can invalidate a lot of the worship. So that's I think where we need to be. We also need to be very mindful of that aspect as well. I like your point about the Hajj bit as well, um, absolutely, and that applies to a lot of worship as well with a lot of the ibadat that we do. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's a it's a multifaceted thing. I think. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think is it, is it a hadith, if correct me if I'm wrong, where the, the explanation of the man who comes 
on the day of judgment, you know, very wealthy in the sense that he's done a lot of good deeds and he's he's built up his scale. But then by the end of his reckoning, he's become bankrupt because of all the wrong he's done to others and he's had to give away everything and he's left with nothing at the end of it. So, yeah, absolutely. Both things do go hand in hand. Um, 